the Awareness Revolution Podcast, where we bring you alternative views on big topics that affect just about everyone. If you want to improve your life and change the world, then stay tuned. You'll hear cutting-edge health, financial, and personal development strategies from a revolutionary perspective. Warning, listening may take you outside your comfort zone, separate you from the pack, and change the way you see the world. Here's your host, Jeremy Kinney. Now, if you're listening to the audio-only version on iTunes, just want to let you know that we do have a video podcast on iTunes as well as on YouTube. And this would be a good episode to actually watch the video version because as I go along, I'm going to be showing a bunch of different links and pages on the internet that, you know, is going to be full of information that you'll want to see. But before we begin, I want to let you know if if you're listening to the audio version of this podcast, we do have a video version on iTunes and a whole channel on YouTube that's dedicated to the video version of the podcast. And as always, you can find both of those in the show notes, which will be at theawarenessrevolution.com forward slash 19. And that's because this is the 19th episode on the podcast. Now, let's dig into this information. BBC News had an article in July of 2020 connecting coronavirus to animals. It says, Coronavirus, fear over rise in animal to human diseases. And in that article, it says zoonotic diseases, which are ones that jump from animals to humans, are increasing and will continue to do so without action to protect wildlife and preserve the environment, UN experts have warned. So you'll notice now and going forward, the whole thing, this great reset and all this stuff, which by the way, was the um, topic for uh, my podcast? You know, a few a few podcasts ago, it was episode sixteen. Watch that video if you haven't already. Really informative. But the Great Reset and the path going forward is going to be all under the guise of land worship, basically preserving the environment, which is another kind of way of you know tied to climate change. But, you know, you're going to see a lot of that, and that's what this is all about. But it's not just that article. PETA, P-E-T-A, also created an article, and they linked animal agriculture to the risk of pandemics. And they mentioned the World Health Organization, about how they are connecting this as well. I mean, it's really just obvious there's a huge movement going on if you look into it you know but most people aren't looking into this stuff which is why i'm presenting this information here and they are doing a good job of connecting all of this to animals which to me was a big telltale sign you know if you think about it they said that it likely came from a wet market in China. Even Bill Gates predicted that before it happened. But that's where a lot of this push for veganism and everything is coming from. And I'm all for veganism, but they are using half-truths, you know, and jumping on the bandwagon and 
using that as a tool to manipulate us and take control over us because we can't be trusted with agriculture because we're basically destroying the planet, risking everyone's lives in the process. An organization known as ProVeg, they have a website, ProVeg.com. They created a report called Food and Pandemics Report. Part one, making the connection. Again, connecting animal-based food systems to pandemics. And, you know, it's just more of the same here. But if it's something that you want to check out, you might want to check it out and just see. I mean, like I said, there's a lot of half-truths in here, you know, because we are destroying the planet with the way that we are raising so much meat. Um, but if you look in that report, they mentioned that they were um, they received the United Nations Momentum for Change Award. And no wonder, because they are connecting the dots between pandemics and COVID-19. While at the same time, we've got billionaires getting rich from the pandemic. They're getting richer than ever before. And a lot of these same billionaires, they happen to be in alignment, almost all of them, happen to be in alignment with the Great Reset. And so when you look at like Jeff Bezos, you know, perfect opportunity for someone like Bezos, instead of going to the store and going shopping, you just get it delivered to your house. Bill Gates, I mean, he's not even working for Microsoft anymore. And in fact, the new news is Jeff Bezos is stepping down. So here we have a lot of patterns emerging here where the CEOs are stepping down so they can focus on charities, focus on making the world a better place. Well, no, they don't need to run the companies anymore because now they are in the process of taking over the world. And part of that plan is taking over the food supply. And even Richard Branson got very rich off of the pandemic as well. And all three of the billionaires I just mentioned are funding Impossible Burger. So unless you've been living under a rock, I'm sure you've noticed that there's a lot more interest in these alternatives to meat. And Impossible Burger is one of the big ones. Also Beyond Burger as well. And I know that Bill Gates was help, helping to fund that as well. But what is very concerning is that if you look on the Impossible Foods blog, which obviously has the Impossible Burger, you will see that it says straight up they have an ambitious mission, which is to, quote, drastically reduce humanity's destructive impact on the global environment by completely replacing the use of animals as a food production technology, end quote. That is a shocking, shocking mission statement. They're not just trying to reduce animals as food production. They want to, again, completely replace the use of animals as a food production technology. They don't want us to have meat anymore. And, you know, this isn't just a company. Obviously, Bill Gates has had his hands and 
virtually every aspect of the pandemic, including the test, the vaccines. He predicted it. There, he's being interviewed on when things can go back to normal and so on. He's very powerful. It almost seems like he knows what is going to happen. They, they say the best way to create the future, I'm sorry, I messed it up. They say the best way to predict the future is to create it. I think that Bill Gates and these other billionaires know something that we don't. Of course, you know, no one knows everything that I know. I'm sure no one in the world knows everything that you know. So obviously they know things that we don't know as well. And they're not telling us, but they're not just investing in meat alternatives. They are investing in lab grown meat. Bill Gates and Richard Branson are investing in lab grown meat, which is basically the end result will be meat instead of like a meat substitute, like a Beyond Burger. It will be meat, except growing like an animal does. It's going to be cultured in a laboratory. It's going to be grown in buildings, in a laboratory, like a science project. And we are going to be using it to create our body, you know, because we are what we eat. Recent news went viral that Bill Gates is now the top farmland owner in the U.S. There's people that own more land, uh, but he's the top farmland owner. That's a private owner. Okay, what is he doing with farmland? Why is he buying it all up if he's also funding a company that wants to completely replace animals? Well, it doesn't sound like he's wanting to use that farmland to raise animals. But it's not just Bill Gates either. You know, there's a lot of powerful people involved. And what you'll see is that they seem to have their tentacles all over the place. And they're the same names that have been talked about in the conspiracy circles for years, such as the Rockefellers. The Rockefeller Foundation has been involved in a lot of things like the Trilateral Commission. Um, I mean, they took over the medical industry. There is a book about it called Rockefeller Medicine. I mean, they've transformed the world far more than what people realize. They even created molecular biology. I'll get more into that in a second, but you know what, what is important to understand is that they also have a stake in this transformation of the food supply. And they have a program called Reset the Table. Again, they're talking about what COVID-19 has revealed. So this is all like the Great Reset. This is a part of the response to COVID-19. So, you know, the Hegelian dialect, problem, reaction, solution. The problem was the pandemic. The reaction is everyone's scared. Now they're offering the solution. The solution is reset the table. Meeting the moment to transform the US food system. 
and they want to make some radical changes to the food system. But of course, you know, they've got to make it sound good. You know, this is all for our own good, as always, you know, of course. But when you look up things like, the, look up the word democide, D-E-M-O-C-I-D-E, and look at how many people died in the 20th century from governments wanting to take over the food supply. It always ends up badly. I mean, look at Venezuela right now, but um, you know, we don't need wealthy people controlling our food supply. We need people in the food industry controlling it. You know, we need it to be decentralized. We don't need a central authority telling us what to eat and so on. Uh, we've got by just fine for, for a long time. And I think we could continue, but they would like for us to believe otherwise. And it's a big topic. I feel like I could go on a big tangent there, but I've got a lot more to get through. So you might want to look into this reset the table uh, document and program that the Rockefellers have dreamed up, but you know, it's not just them either. China launched their own program they're calling Clean Plate. It's a campaign against food waste. And literally, if you go to a restaurant, you can only order one less food plate for the amount of people that you have. So if you have four people at the restaurant, you can order three plates of food. And there's a lot of weird things that they're doing, like monitoring the amount of food that's being wasted and stuff like that. Because China's got this huge surveillance state and they want to basically do the same things in China that they're doing in China, do them elsewhere. So China's like the pilot program where these things are created and tested out and rolled out first, and then they're gonna roll them out throughout the world. So, I mean, you know, you've got a very pro-China, to say the least, administration in right now. Um, I'll give you more evidence in that in a second. Another thing to be aware of, I'm gonna connect some dots real quick and kind of digress for just a minute before I get back to the food. So stay with me. And I've covered this elsewhere, but Event 201 was a global pandemic exercise. It was held in October of 2019, which is basically right before the pandemic began. And the exercise, it, it's shocking. They basically predicted the pandemic in shocking detail, all the way down to a coronavirus. So what they did is they, it was like an exercise drill where they acted out what would happen and all this other stuff. And it's just like what actually happened just a few months later. And they have video of this, you know, they have a YouTube channel, you can watch the video. I featured it in my film, if you haven't seen it yet, I call it Pan Deception from COVID-19 to the New World Order. And I featured that video 
in my documentary, which if you haven't seen it yet, watch that. But, you know, if you look at the bottom of the page for 201 on the website, it shows who was involved. You've got the Johns Hopkins Bloomberg School of Public Health. You've got the World Economic Forum and the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation. Well, once you start digging around into all this, you start to see that these names keep popping up all over the place. Johns Hopkins, they've been, you know, they've been involved with the vaccine. They are the ones that's keeping the, the death count that everyone's looking at. They are um, heavily involved with the pandemic. And the World Economic Forum has basically risen to the top of influence in the world for the pandemic. The founder, Klaus Schwab, is the one who created the concept, The Great Reset, wrote a book about it, which is really just continuing his ideas that he had for the world before the pandemic even started. So, you know, what they're saying is that the pandemic just revealed a lot of the problems, made them worse, and revealed them more. And so now we need to act fast and do something about it. And of course, Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, they've got Dr. Fauci on their like board of directors. And um, he is the highest, made, uh, highest paid member in Congress or of government, but also he's on Bill Gates payroll. So, you know, these guys are tied in really well. And by the way, Bill Gates attends the World Economic Forum um, events in Davos. So this is all a tightly knit group. And, you know, if you look at this video that I made months ago, you know, early on in the pandemic, I go over uh, a document from 2010 and it's from the Rockefeller Foundation. And it's on my YouTube channel. But it basically spells out exactly what happened. And this was written in 2010. And there's a few interesting things in the document, like, you know, temperature checks. They mentioned that some countries would fare better than others. They said China would do well. The U.S. would not because all of us freedom-loving people, and that's what they want you to think, you know, when you go out and you don't wear a mask or you don't want to shut down your business, you don't want to cut off your source of income, you know, because, you know, you're, you're, you're the problem here because you want to make a living or you want to live your life. And it was all spelled out in shocking detail, like Event 201, and it was all spelled out in these Rockefeller documents. So I, I encourage you, if you haven't seen that, check out my video and read the document yourself. And you see that these people have planned it out. I don't know how else to say it. This thing has been planned or predicted in shocking detail. All right. Now, if you look up the Johns Hopkins Bloomberg School of Public Health, you can even go to the Wikipedia page and look at the origins. And it starts off by saying, in 1913, the Rockefeller Foundation sponsored a conference on the need for public health education in the US. So yes, the Rockefellers um, basically created 
the organization. Uh, and, you know, it created in 1916, just a few years after that initial Rockefeller conference. Again, this is a, a, a part of the whole story of how Rockefeller took over the healthcare system and turned it into drugs and surgery and, you know, which is uh, failing us big time. But, you know, just to show you how this web of things work. Now, also, the Rockefeller Foundation has a um, food system vision prize. So basically, they're given a prize for whoever can come up with the best vision for food in the future. And they've got their target on the year 2050, which is almost 30 years from now. So, you know, these people, they think long term. They think multi-generational. Like this one concept is looking 30 years in time, 30 years ahead. And the thing is, is things are moving so fast. Things are changing so fast. I mean, just look what's happened in the past year. It's hard to imagine what life is going to be like 30 years. And in fact, I'm sure no one can. No, it's far, it's far beyond what any of us can imagine. But these people are mapping it out. They're mapping out the next 10, 20, 30, 40 years of our lives. And I think we all need to be joining in the conversation. We need to be thinking about that. So by the way, you know, if, if you're watching it on YouTube, give me a give me a thumbs up. You know, if you're listening on iTunes, review us on iTunes so we can rank a little bit better in the algorithm so more people can get this information because it may save millions of lives. If you look back at like the Halamid or, or um, I may pronounce that uh, incorrectly, but you, know, you look back at these mass starvations caused by government and you'll see that they killed more people through starvation than pandemics did. So if anyone should be af afraid of something, like if we're gonna have mass hysteria, of people afraid of some threat, all you gotta do is look at history and see that we should be more concerned about a bunch of rich people trying to take over the whole world's food supply. Should be way more concerned about that than a virus with a 99 plus percent survival rate for most people for pretty much everyone under the age of 70. So yeah, this is a serious, serious concern. And you don't have to look very hard to find lots of content with um, the World Economic Forum basically going along with the program. They have a post titled, Our Taste for Meat is Endangering the Planet. Again, you know, if you eat meat, you are putting the planet at risk. Just in the same way that you can't go outside in most places without a mask, can't go in places, they want you to wear a mask because you're endangering everything. Well, they're also making the connection if you're eating meat, you know, you're part of the problem. You are endangering the planet. You're causing pandemics. Basically, this is going to become more and more um, obvious as time goes by. Right now, it's like you can't breathe in public. Well, pretty soon, people are going to be starting to become um, getting guilted. You know, uh, they're going to be claiming that you won't be able to eat, eat, eat meat without, you know, 
jeopardizing people's lives. You know, like if you're eating meat, you're directly causing this. Just in the same way, you're outside breathing, you're causing the spread. So it's the same kind of concept. But don't worry, they have a solution. Remember, problem, reaction, solution. You know, they the World Economic Forum also has a post titled, quote, this 3D printed steak could help us reduce meat consumption. So again, here we go with these rich people that don't want us eating meat coming up with fake meat, 3D printed steak. Now there are solutions and, and I'm gonna get to them in just a second, but that is, you know, I don't know about you, but I'm not interested in 3D printed steak. Not me, okay? But, you know, if you get hungry enough, you're going to eat it. You know, most people probably, oh, no, no, no. Because they can go to, you know, Wendy's and get a junior bacon cheeseburger for a dollar. So, you know, when meat is available, it's going to be hard to convince people to eat 3D printed meat. But I think the prices of food are going to skyrocket in this year and the years after. And obviously, people are going through hard times financially. And the more that these two trends continue, the less people are going to be able to afford meat, even if it's available. I think that's part of the plan as well. That's just my own two cents. You know, you leave it to your own thought experiment and see what you come up with. But the cost of meat is going to continue to rise. And the less financially stable and secure we are, the more we're going to be enticed to eat some fake meat that Bill Gates and the World Economic Forum is peddling. In fact, the World Economic Forum had a post that got so much backlash, they had to change the title of it. But if you look it up, you'll still find it. If you Google, you will own nothing. Right now, at the time of this recording, it'll show up. It says, welcome to 2030. I own nothing, have no privacy, and life has never been better. But then when you click on the link, the title has changed because that doesn't sound very good. Instead, now it says, here's how life could change in my city by the year 2030. Again, they're thinking 10 years ahead. I mean, it's quite shocking how they paint the picture for the future. And I mean, this is pretty short term. And, and 10 years is it's kind of a long time. But for this kind of change to take place in the next 10 years is shocking. But again, they're they keep talking about how they need to move quickly. They need to act fast. They're viewing the pandemic as an opportunity to move this agenda forward at lightning speed. So in their article, they say things like, welcome to my city, or should I say our city? I don't own anything. I don't own a car. I don't own a house. I don't own any appliances or any clothes. It might seem odd to you, but it makes perfect sense for us in this city. Everything you considered a product has now become a service. We have access to transportation, accommodation, food, and all the things we need in our daily lives. One by one, all these things became free. 
So it ended up not making sense for us to own much. You notice they, um, that's the end of the quote. You notice that they have been pushing for free education, free healthcare. Now Congress is talking about um, getting rid of the you know, student loan debt. Sounds good, but they're moving their chess pieces. And when you see the move that they're doing, you don't realize that they are thinking many moves ahead. They're not just moving that one piece. They are, they are closing in with this strategy on a long-term strategy. Let me continue reading you some of this article. First communication became digitized and free to everyone. Then when clean energy became free, things started to move quickly. Transportation dropped dramatically in price. It made no sense for us to own cars anymore because we could all drive or we could all call driverless vehicles or a flying car for longer journeys within minutes. I mean, they even go as far as saying that, you know, you don't have your own house. And when people, when you're gone, other people will use your home because it's not your home. Basically, we're going to be slaves. We're not going to have private property. That is a big part of this whole thing. I know that's a lot to wrap your head around. I'll leave it at that. And you can just check it out for yourself. But I know one of the reasons why it's so hard to think about is like, how would they pull this off? How could they possibly? But if you look at this article, January, January 24th, it's called America's family-owned farms now face the greatest threat to their existence. It's on lonesomelands.com. And it explains some of this tax controversy that the Biden administration is promoting right now. And let me explain to you how this works, because this is pretty interesting, pretty disastrous, and um, it will help illustrate a possible scenario of how we could get to the point where we don't own anything. So let me read this article for just a minute. Over the past 20 years, agriculture land prices have skyrocketed. In my neighborhood, which is Southwest Iowa, Farm ground has went from around $900 per acre in the 90s to well over $7,000 per acre now. Farms that were a few hundred thousand 25 years ago are now worth millions. So farmers have found themselves in a unique position. If they own the land they work on, they can keep working for an unstable living that is always dependent on the weather and markets, or they could sell out and become multi-millionaires. For most people, this seems like it would be an easy decision. For most farmers, they don't think twice about it. They stay and keep on working. So why do they keep it? A big reason for keeping the farm has always been to pass it on. And now that they are fifth, sixth, and seventh generation farmers and ranchers around, passing the farm down to the next generation has become a sacred tradition the end goal of a life's work. 
as Paul Harvey says at the end of his speech, turned commercial, somebody who'd build a family together with the soft, strong bonds of sharing, who would, who would laugh and then sigh and then reply with smiling eyes when his son says he wants to spend his life doing what dad does. So God made a farmer. Now we're gonna get into the details of Biden's tax increase and how it's gonna affect farmers. The unfortunate part of Biden's proposed tax plan is the elimination of the stepped-up basis. The stepped-up basis has been used for all inheritance for generations. How it works is when property is inherited, it doesn't matter what the dead person paid for it. The value is stepped up to what it is worth at the time of death. This allows the person who is inheriting the property to show no gain in income from the inheritance. Biden's tax plan would remove the stepped up basis. According to the Forbes article, Biden's tax increase on death that no one is talking about. Quote, Biden's tax plan calls for carrying over an assets tax basis from the descendant to the next generation. No amount of estate tax exemption would help you because this is a big income tax increase. End quote. That income tax increase would destroy practically all small family-run farms because it would simply be too much to pay for without selling out. So basically, what they're saying is that it, that would be a taxable event. So, you know, because the land prices have gone up so much, if you tax it, you know, if someone buys a farm for a thousand dollars and it's worth a million when they die, well, that million dollars is taxable. And, you know, if Biden increases the uh, tax rate to roughly 40 cent or 40 percent, that'd be four hundred thousand dollars the tax. And again, farming doesn't make a lot of income. But the value of the land has gone up, which is a interesting scenario. Perfect for this plan for them to still the value created and potentially put these farmers out of business. Because if you don't make a lot of money, how are you going to pay a four hundred thousand dollar tax on the farm you you just inherited? So this is a huge, huge, huge problem, and we already have the least amount of farmers we've ever had. You know, who do you know that farms? Not many people. You know, just a hundred years ago, a large percentage of the U.S. workforce were farmers. But now it's a very small percentage. And the average age of farmers are around the age of retirement. Who's going to grow the food? Probably Bill Gates in a lab, you know? That's, that's where this is going. That's where they want this to go. But it doesn't have to be that way. Like I know that they say it's to make the world a better place, to protect the environment, yada, yada. But in fact, if you look up Alan Savory, S-A-V-O-R-Y, and his, his first name is Alan, A-L-L-A-N, he has a TED Talk titled, how to green the world's deserts and reverse climate change. And he shows 
that if you raise cattle correctly, it actually builds the planet. It actually helps it. It heals it. can actually turn deserts into green land, fertile, rich soil. The, I mean, one of the people that's worth looking up is Joel Salatin, who was in the uh, Food Inc. documentary. Uh, he's a libertarian um, small farmer, and he has a lot of great videos, a lot of great interviews where he's talking about this problem for quite a long time. And, you know, he explains the magic of how grass grows up high, cows like to eat it, and they poop out manure. It's the perfect setup. It's like they were made to, you know, be part of this whole process. And when you hear him talk about it, it's like, wow, you know, why weren't we taught that in school? But, you know, we don't have to just view it as you know this is the way it's done so it's destroying the planet so we've got to get rid of it you can't throw the baby out with the bathwater. there are sustainable agricultural practices but they don't want to talk about that you know in fact you know they they blame the factory farms and the, you know the the industry is terrible but it's not a natural thing. In fact, the factory farms are feeding their animals GMOs. And the GMOs are subsidized. So the price of the GMO feed for the animals is artificially low. So it distorts the market and a free market that wouldn't be the case. And that because farmers can buy artificially low priced GMOs to feed their animals, they're able to sell the meat for less price than they would otherwise. So then when you compare factory farm meat to grass fed meat in the store, there's a big price difference. But that's because the government is the one making the price cheap. And the GMOs not only goes to feed the factory farm animals, which produces inferior meat, you know, it's not as good for humans. It's also the living conditions isn't as good for the animals. And also, it's terrible for the planet, the way that they're doing it. But when you do it the right way, the whole thing reverses. It's better for humans, it's better for the animals, and it's better for the planet. So that's where the conversation needs to go. But that's not where they're going to take it. You know, and, you know, people may argue, well, we couldn't grow enough meat. We couldn't raise enough meat that way to feed everyone. Well, you know, there's no reason why we need to eat this much meat to begin with. The reason why we're eating so much meat is because it's artificially cheap. The government is making the meat cheap. And therefore we buy it. You know, you go to a fast food restaurant, you know, and the burger is cheaper than the salad. Why isn't the government subsidizing organic blueberries, strawberries? That's healthy. Why aren't we growing as much as we can? Why aren't we put why aren't we planting trees that produce food? You plant a tree, 
It doesn't take long and it'll produce food for many years, for decades. Why isn't the government doing that? Why are we planting plants that don't produce food all over the place? We grow tons and tons of plants in our front yard. In fact, in most places, or in many places, it's illegal to grow plants that produce food in your front yard. I mean, this is, yeah. So let's not act like there's some food crisis, some food shortage, or that we couldn't produce enough food for everyone without GMOs, without factory farm meat, because that's nonsense. It's nonsense, you know? And if we couldn't, then we, that would naturally help the curb population growth. But don't, you know, the government breaks your legs and then give you a crutch and then say, hey, good thing you have government. What would you do without us? It's like, well, without the government, you wouldn't need the damn crutch to begin with. All right. So, you know, I know that's kind of a, a long tangent there at the end. I hope you're digging this. I hope you're getting a lot of great information from this. Um, but I'm going to wrap it up, but I, I do want to give you a quick little update. Now, what's happening is Singapore just approved lab-grown meat for human consumption. So here, very soon, we're going to actually start to have this happening. So it's going from a concept into something that's actually being implemented. How long will it take before fake meat that was grown in a lab shows up on your dinner plate? So I recommend if you do eat meat, I recommend stocking up on the best quality meat that you can get. You can't go wrong. If you freeze it, you know, as long as it doesn't go bad, I think it would be very wise, of course, to have a supply of food. You know, there, there's only a few days worth of food on the shelves. If that stops for any reason, then go, go and watch my video, What's Next? I've got another one coming out. I'm titling the um, Prepare for the Worst. And Klaus Schwab from the World Economic Forum is saying that a cyber attack is likely to happen and would make the coronavirus look like a small inconvenience. These people, they predicted the coronavirus Maybe they're right about this one too. And we're talking about the electrical grid going down for an unknown period of time. And they've already estimated that if it's down for a year, which is very possible because some of the things that they would need may take a year during normal times to get. And if that were to happen, 60% of the population would die according to their estimates. A lot of them would die from food, from starvation. You know, we're talking no electricity. That means your credit cards don't work, your debit cards can't get money out of the bank. Full banking crime. I mean, we've got so many potentially catastrophic things that could happen. 
you know, the, the, the banks are looking rough. You know, we're, we're probably on the verge of a banking crisis anyway. So prepare. I'm not saying it's going to happen, but it's better to be safe than sorry. Hope for the best and prepare for the worst. I'm sorry to be dark. You know, it's just uh, if, if you wait until it happens, it's too late. And people think, oh, you know what? You're going to be paranoid because, you know, you're stocking up on food. Like preppers are made to look crazy. And, you know, I've always kind of felt that way, too. You know, I mean, I get it. But with the way the, the things are unfolding right now, it behooves you to prepare, especially if you have a family. You're, if you're a parent, your job is to protect your children. Who else is going to? Not the government. It's your job. So if not do it for yourself, do it for your kids. There's, there's no way you can go wrong by having a little bit more food than you need. It's just, it's just a smart thing to do during normal times. But right now, you know, you look at uh, two by fours that were a few bucks, you know, a year ago. Now they're over $10. Building materials are skyrocketing. There are supply chain shortages for so many different things in the market. So I think that we have some rough times ahead. I don't know exactly what the future holds, but I don't think the worst is behind us. I think the worst is ahead of us. And these people that seem to be pulling the strings here are misleaders, are taking a big interest in the food supply. I've even done a video in the past on it where I go into more detail. I go into more detail on the Great Reset video. I show you that they have technology to where they can test a blueberry or something, any type of food, and tell you where it was grown in. So if they if they say, hey, you know, we can't let you grow your own food because then you could jeopardize the whole planet, we have to control the food. If you violate that order, you know, and someone else gets caught, Lord forbid, with the blueberries you sold them, they can trace it right back to your house and show up there. For for the way it's looking, I mean, they could be they could view it as terrorism. You know, they could say, "Hey, you are potentially creating a pandemic by growing blueberries." I know it sounds crazy. I mean, they're already labeling Trump supporters, you know, as potential domestic terrorists kind of thing. Basically, anyone that questions the narrative is potentially a terrorist. I mean, what do you think they, they would do at some point if they really believe that animal agriculture is what's causing these pandemics? What do you think they're gonna to do to you if you choose to grow your own meat? So I think it, is wise to have a deep freezer stocked full of meat and some way to cook it if the power were to go out with a bunch of propane and a propane grill, something like that. 
Now, of course, you know, if you're vegan and you've been watching this whole thing, you're like, oh, well, I don't eat meat, you know, whatever, whatever. You probably would have turned it off by now, but I am going to be doing a podcast here soon about veganism, the good, the bad, and the ugly, um, because there is a lot of good to it. I went raw vegan for a while, you know, mostly raw vegan, not 100%, but 90, 90%. And, you know, it really helped me a lot, but... The vegan movement is being hijacked for another cause. So again, give us a thumbs up. Leave us a review wherever you're at. And I hope you got a lot out of this. You know, I hope hope it wasn't too dark, but I really do appreciate you actually sticking with me until the end on the serious subject. I believe this is perhaps the most important thing we can talk about. So make sure to share this with other people, maybe start creating communities, start creating backup plans, getting other people involved in case something catastrophic like this does happen. Again, thanks so much for watching slash listening. Hope for the best but prepare for the worst.